please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm number 8. Psalm number 8. We're going to be looking at this psalm this morning as we preach on this section of God's holy word. Psalm number 8 with the title, Reminders of God's Glory. Reminders of God's Glory. This morning, we are truly blessed, aren't we? We're truly blessed to be in this building. Yes, blessed to worship our God in heaven. But I even say this, that we are blessed to have a place to worship God. There are many believers around the world in poorer countries would dearly love what we have in the West to have a place where they can gather together peacefully, without fear of persecution. But what if I told you that this building had no builder? It just appeared one day. Or maybe I said, it's been here over millions of years. It just kind of came together by chance. I don't know, boys and girls, what do you think of that? If I said this building made itself, it was always here, would that make sense? Not at all. No. But there are many people who will say this kind of thing about the heavens and the earth. It's just always been there. Or it's made itself. Does that make any sense? Not at all. And I think even the youngest amongst us can see that that doesn't make any sense. Look at the paint on the wall. What color is it? I think it's a blue, isn't it? And somebody says, well, I've never seen anybody paint that wall. Maybe it never painted itself. We know it's been painted. you know why? Because we can see a painted wall. Now, when we look at the heavens and the earth, when we look at the skies, when we see the mountains near our house in Rathryland, there's the wonderful Mourn Mountains. It's glorious and it's wonderful. And people can look at that and think, ah, oh, yeah. Some people think there's no creator. That a wonderful and powerful God didn't make that. Does that make any sense? Not at all. This world has a maker, this building has a builder. This, everything we see around us has a beginning and has been made by someone. Now, only our God could make all the wonderful things we see around us in nature. Isn't it true? How beautiful nature is. Even the atheist will say, wow, when he looks at nature. Nature is beautiful because of the one who made it all. And dear friends, as we read this psalm, psalm number eight, I pray that we are reminded of how many reminders we see around us on a daily basis, every single day of God's glory. And there are many of them here in this psalm. And may they give us cause for praise to our God in heaven. So dear friends, the next, person, next time somebody says to you, there's no evidence of God. 
It's the same as somebody saying there's no evidence that there was no builder for this building, that there's no evidence for this wall being painted. We know, dear friends, that there's all the evidence we need all around us of a powerful, wonderful, and heavenly king who made all that we see around us. Psalm number eight, we're gonna read now this psalm in praise to our God. Let us hear God's holy and infallible word. To the chief musician upon Giddeth, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hast set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger when I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and his infallible word. This psalm speaks of glory, doesn't it? Glory, what is it? What is glory? Is it something wonderful? Yes, it is. Is it something impressive? Is it something when people see it and appreciate it for what it is? Will people want to look at it and go, wow, that is amazing? That is wonderful? Yes, it will. Is it something that has shining radiance to behold? Yes, it does. We talk about God's glory and we'll often say, yes, God is glorious, isn't he? He is wonderful. But what is it? It is a radiance that God has. Our God is pure light. A light that is without beginning and without end. And it is so pure and so perfect. There is no darkness at all in it. It is something that is filled with splendor. God is wonderful, isn't he? God is wonderful. He is all that is needed. He is to be appreciated, not just for what he's done for us, but for who he is. We never, ever make God wonderful, do we? He simply is wonderful. And we are to see him as he is, to see him as radiant, to see him as glorious, to behold. But let's be honest, as as sinners, as fallen sinners, we struggle with this, don't we? We do. And we can often forget in this fallen and lost world how wonderful God is. And we need to be, don't we? We need to be reminded. Do you ever need to be reminded of things? Maybe you go shopping and you forget things really quickly. Well, 
We need to be constantly reminded. Yes, from the Bible. But we're also reminded from the creation all around us. There's constant reminders of the glory of Almighty God. All men on this earth are surrounded by evidence of the finger of Almighty God. And put it another way, all men are without excuse. I was a professing atheist for nearly five, six years. And in that time, I was without excuse, knowing full well that God was real. None can say that they do not know that there is a God. Man does not lack evidence. Man often lacks the faith to see what the evidence points towards. And may we have that faith here this morning. May we have the faith to understand what the world is telling us all around us. Yes, the Bible tells us this, but also God's wonderful creation tells us the same thing here this morning. So, dear friends, I pray by the end of this sermon that we have many reminders, yes, from the Bible, but also from creation all around us as we go out into the world to serve our King. Number one, the first point we're going to look at here in Psalm number eight is source of splendor. Source of splendor. Or you could also say, that where's the source? Where, do, where does this glory come from? Uh, the psalm begins here. This is a psalm of David. David, the psalmist, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He writes this in verse number one. O Lord, or you could also say even, O Jehovah, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. That's verse 1. And then go all the way down to verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. At the beginning, it cries out to the divine name, Jehovah. And he says, our Lord, our Master, how wonderful, how majestic, how fantastic is your name. Or you could also say your reputation. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere. It's in all the world. His might, how famous he is, how glorious he is in all the earth. And we are to look in amazement at what God has made. Aren't we? We enjoy so many things from creation. We'll go on walks, very good things. It's good to do that. And we'll, we'll go around to different places on holiday. But we, we may, may we never forget who has made everything we see around us. The maker and creator is this powerful, glorious creator. Now, I wonder, does anybody here make things? Does anybody have a hobby, maybe? Maybe you make furniture. Maybe you make chairs. Or perhaps you work on a farm and you like to work with your hands. You work hard on a project. Or perhaps you cook a lovely meal. And, and often we'll take pride, won't we? Say, we'll look at that thing we've just made. And it's nice to look back and go, see that thing over there? Oh yeah, I made that at one point. And well, I do that. I have some good friends of mine. They're very good at DIY. And they spend a long time building with their hands. 
and they get a great deal of satisfaction. Gardeners, they love working with God's creation and with plants out the back and then they can look out and look how wonderful it is to see a nice, tidy and clean garden. They see the works of their hands. You see, dear friends, the works of our hands say something about us, don't they? I'm sure if that's your job, whatever job you do, and you work with your hands, you take pride in it. You love it. And you, you love what has been produced by it because it says something about us. Now, we may make a chair, but how many of us will make the wood out of nothing? I'd say not many of us. There's only one who has ever done that. Dear friends, our God made and gave us all the tools that we have used to make anything we've ever made. He gave us the raw materials. He gave us the ability to study. He gave us all that is needed because, dear friends, he is the source of all the beauty we see around us. Even if we were that lowly instrument used to bring it about. If you're a great painter or whatever, who gave you that ability? God, because he's the source of splendor. It all comes from God. So when we look at the song, it says, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is thy name, your reputation, your glorious splendor in all the earth. Where do we see that? We actually see it all over the place. We see it in many different places. Our God spoke the world into existence. And dear friends, our God formed and made you in the womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Our world began to exist. We began to exist. And it all points back, not to us, it all points back to our maker, our creator. Do you ever have people come to your house and maybe they'll come to your house and they'll say, oh, your bathroom is lovely. Oh, your kitchen, who put that in? And you almost want to hire that person, whoever put in that kitchen or bathroom or whatever. Who has worked on that? You never think, well, a kitchen was always there. It just kind of made itself. No, you're very interested in who put it in. And how did you maintain it over these many years? How did you keep it so clean and in such a good condition? Dear friends, not only did God make this world, he has maintained it and sustained it. We would think this about anything else. But dear friends, sometimes we can forget that our God has done the same thing, who has made everything beautiful, everything wonderful, everything praiseworthy in the world. We're just going to look at Psalm 19, verse 1 once again. We read it earlier in our reading. Psalm 19, verse 1, it says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. There's almost a sense in this, in this verse that the heavens are preaching the glory of God because they're so magnificent. They're so wonderful. They show how wonderful our God is. His reputation, his name, his excellency in all the world. And the question is, do you see it? Do you see it? And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest here. 
for, for a number of years after I was converted, I was never the biggest person into nature. I'm probably a bit more of a latecomer later on in my Christian walk. And I, I had a Christian friend who was always big into, he'd post things on Facebook about spiders' webs, and I would always think, oh, that's kind of interesting, but it wasn't something I gravitated towards. But he was seeing something I didn't see. He saw God's hand in all these little things, even the little insects, even the ability that that they have to sustain and maintain their life comes from Almighty God. I pray, dear friends, that as we look around, as we study things, as we enjoy nature, and we should, we should enjoy nature, that we would think, where does this all come from? It all points back to our glorious and heavenly God. And even think even further. Everything that we have comes from God. If we are parents here this morning, your children come from God. If you're married here this morning, your husband and wife, that was a gift from God. You children, your parents was a gift from God. All the wonderful things we have in this world. All the beauty, all the joy, all the perfection, all the wonderful things, all the happy memories. It all comes from God. It all comes from God. He is the source of splendor all around us. So, number one, the source of splendor. Number two now, source of strength. Source of strength. Verse two in our text Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings or nursing babes or nursing infants. How are we able to praise God? How have we the strength, weak and frail as we are? How can we, if you look at the Bible, it says that there's none that seeketh after God. No, not one. That none are able to come to him in their own strength. How are we able to give him praise? This is the strength to give praise to God. And what that praise brings in verse 2 that thou mightest still or bring defeat for the enemy and the avenger. This strength that God gives to the weakest and the most foolish amongst us brings victory over the enemy. Now yes, our God, there's one way we could look at this verse. He gives strength to the little child, the little children. Development and growth all comes from God. Now we may see this as normal, But if you are six foot tall, if you're five foot six, you are a lot shorter at one point. And God is the reason you're much taller, much bigger, much more healthy, and that you developed and grew to the point you are today. Can you speak English today? God allowed that and ordained the strength and the ability to be able to learn the English language or anything else that you're able to do. Without him... We have nothing. We don't even have the strength to do anything. We have no other source of strength. We are weak and we are failing. We are the most fragile of creatures. And we 
have nothing without this God. Now we may have health problems here this morning. But do we give him thanks for the health that we do have? Maybe we're not as healthy as the person sitting next to us in the pew. But there's many things that God has given us. He's taught you things. He reminds us of his strength in these things. You see, when God does these things, when when you first see a baby born, and you see a baby grow and become an infant, and then grows even further and becomes an adult, these things should remind us of where does that come from? How do they develop and strengthen that way? It's all from God. God is the source of strength. So when we see these things, I know we can get very used to them. And we can take these things for granted until maybe there's an illness in the family. But these all come from God. They're all coming from God. And perhaps you're older here. And some of the strength you had in younger years is gone from you. But where did that strength in the first place come from? It all came from God. But we can also understand it in a, you could say, a deeper way or in a more spiritual way. It says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies. So, but spiritually, all of us, and this includes every single one of us, myself included, we're all spiritually weak and foolish. We're all spiritually, without God, we are babies. We are so dependent on God. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Do you, do you see what is being said here by Paul to the Corinthians. He's saying he has chosen not the most impressive amongst us. He has chosen the weak things of this world to what? To confound or to still, as our text says, the enemy and the avenger. Victory does not come through the most mighty of instruments. Victory comes from the most mighty of God. Who are chosen by God. It's the power of God. It is the power of God. And this verse is actually quoted in the New Testament in Matthew 21. Matthew verse 21, verses 15 and 16 quotes from Psalm number 8. Matthew 21, verses 15 and 16. And when the chief priests and scribes saw that the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna! To the son of David. And they were sore displeased. Now this is when Jesus is coming in. And he's being praised. And those around him. And in verse 16 it quotes from Psalm 8. And says. And said unto him. Hearest thou what these say. What these say? And Jesus saith unto them. Yea. Have ye never read? And what does Jesus quote? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. Thou hast perfected praise. And he's quoting there from Psalm 8, verse 2. The strength that they need to praise God, to have victory over the enemy. It's from God. It's from God. It it all comes from God. It all points back to God. He is to be glorified. If you look at Romans 16, verse 20, it says this. And the God of peace will bruise Satan. Satan. Now, it's God who brings this victory over Satan, 
But what does he use? It says, under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Do you see what he uses? The most mighty, powerful God. He still uses the weak and the frail amongst us. He is the source of strength. But he still uses us who are weak and foolish. But isn't that wonderful that God would see fit to use us? To bring about this victory over the enemy? We may be frail. We may be weak. God can still use you. God does still use you. I remember visiting a a dear lady. She was in her her mid-80s. And she wondered what more could she do for the Lord. And I remember the more she talked, the more I discovered what God was using her for. She was witnessing to her neighbor. And she maybe downplayed what she was doing. But she was there for a reason. Dear friends, no matter the health you have, no matter the age you have, as long as you are in Christ, he can and does use you. And you are here for a purpose. No matter how weak an instrument we may be, there is a purpose to it. And he, not us, he is the source of strength. Number three now, source of skill. Source of skill. So we've looked at the source of splendor, source of strength, and number three now, the source of skill. Verses three and verse four of our text in Psalm 8. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him When we see a work of art, have you ever gone to an art gallery and thought, again, you don't think, you don't see a painting and think, well, that just made itself. Boys and girls, I think we know that, don't we? When you come to a painting, you don't think that the painting made itself. When we come to the the hills and the mountains and the sky, do we think it made itself? No. Don't we wonder about the one who made it? And the one who formed it. And, and, that, and the more we look at that art or whatever it is we're looking at, we're amazed, aren't we, at the skill involved. The skill. How, how did he do that? Look at all the detail involved. It does not point back to itself. It points back to the maker. What's actually interesting as well, in Job it talks about how the Lord formed the earth by his wisdom. And this word wisdom in Hebrew has the idea of skill. Skill. We don't just look at the building here and think the building just made itself. We don't just look at whatever we see in front of us. We wonder often, don't we, who made it? Who made it? We wonder where is the source of the skill? If we look at the the windows being placed in here. And we think, hmm, that was a good job done. I'd like that person to do the windows in my house. But what about the night sky? Have you ever late at night, there's no clouds in the sky, and you can see the sun, the moon, we can't see the sun, but you can see the moon and the stars. Have you ever thought, how beautiful the night sky is? The stars. Verse 3, when I consider thy heavens, the work 
of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Where did this beautiful night sky come from? The finger of God. The finger of God. And does it make us, because we see the skill and the, this vast universe that he has made, the source, and the source of all this beauty. Who is wise enough? Think about it. When we look at the night sky and we look at it, who is wise enough to make all this? Who is skillful enough to make all this? Who is powerful enough to make and sustain all these things? Long ago, before the writing of the New Testament, there were pagan poets who would actually write and look up at the sky and they realized there was a God who sustained and maintains all things. Now, they didn't believe in the God of the Bible, unfortunately, but they did recognize that this world was made by a powerful, all-knowing being. And we know him as God. Because we see his word, we marvel. Because we look at his works, we ought to marvel. And when we marvel at this, you go, the creator of all this, Verse 4, what is man? What am I? What am I? That thou art mindful of him, that you would even think of him, that he would visit us at all. I think sometimes we think, of course he'd visit us. Pretty important. But think about this is the one who created all things. He's far more powerful than any ruler upon the face of the earth. He's far more powerful than the president of the United States. He's far more powerful than the prime minister in Westminster. Who, what is man? That you, O God, that thou, O God, are mindful of him, this infinite God of pure light without beginning, without end, without any need of our help, without any change, without any imperfection at all. Without, he never gets lonely. The one who is infinitely good, infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely pure, infinitely true, and yet he will come down and visit us? Isn't that an amazing thing? That he would come down and bless us? Now, if we're believers in Jesus Christ and the Lord visits us, the Lord can visit in two different ways. That word in the original language has the idea of coming down, but that word can also be used not just of coming down and blessing but it can also be used as coming down and cursing. The presence of Almighty God is going to do one of two things, and you could actually see it in the Old Testament with the Ark of God. It will either bring blessings to his people, victory over the enemy, or he will bring disaster to unbelievers. That's what the visiting of Almighty God brings. And we think, why would he do such a thing? Because it's, it makes what we're doing here this morning, dear friends, so much more special, doesn't it? It's not just a few people getting together and learning about the Bible. It's not just that. It's God in his special presence meeting with his people. I think much of the Reformed world has forgotten that. The, the spirit of... Now, God is omnipresent he is everywhere and you can pray anywhere and you can read his word anywhere but there's a special way God meets with his people in the public worship 
There is a special way. There is a blessing we will get here that we won't get in our private devotions at home. As, as important as and we should read our Bible at home. But there's something extra special about the visitation of Almighty God as he comes down. We are friends in the, in, in the midst of the Holy of Holies. No longer does it just have to be the high priest. It is for all those in Jesus Christ. Christ is amongst us. And that's what's amazing. When we look at the night sky and we consider his skill, that's the God we're meeting with. Doesn't it make it extra special to think of that? Our final point, number four now, is source of superiority. Source of superiority. What makes us any better than the beasts of the field? Verses six to eight we're going to look at. So we've looked at the source of splendor, that is God. He is the source of strength. God is the source of that skill we see to make all around us. But what makes us any better than the beasts of the field? There's a sense in which we've all been made of the dust of the earth. We are but dust. There's a sense in which of our own selves, there's nothing particularly special about us. But in another way, there is. We're not like the beasts of the field because we've been made in the image of Almighty God. Verses 6 to verse 8. Verses 6 to verse 8 of our text. Thou madest him to have dominion. This is talking about man. Over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. And what does he put under his feet? Verses 7 and 8. All sheep and oxen. Yea and the beasts of the field. The fowls of the air. The fish of the sea. And whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. Why is man viewed as any better than the beast? Because God has ordained it so. God has ordained it so. And why do we have these blessings spoken about in verse 5? That thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And hast crowned him with glory and honor. For those who are in Christ. For those who who are in Christ. Actually, this part of Psalm 8 is quoted in the book of Hebrews. This part of Psalm 8 is quoted in the book of Hebrews, referring to Christ. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 7 and 9. Verses 7 and 9 of Hebrews chapter 2. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. It's speaking about Christ now. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. And in that, he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that was not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he may, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. You see, the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, from all eternity, he was and is and continues to ever be God. Without beginning, without end. Pure, holy, righteous and true. But then he came into this world. He became man. Made a little lower than the angels came to suffer 
the suffering of death. Think about that. The, the infinite God, see God cannot suffer, takes upon himself human flesh to suffer in our place. The second person of the triune God. This is why we have the blessings of verse 5. Because we're in him. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, these blessings are yours by faith. These blessings are yours by faith and by faith alone. You didn't earn them. You didn't deserve them. But in Christ, God has been pleased to pour out his blessings upon you because he delights. He delights to honor those whom he loves in Christ. Whom he delights in in Christ. He restores all that was lost to the first man to walk upon the face of the earth. And can we remember who that first man was? Adam. And what did he do? Did he remain faithful to God? He didn't. In Adam all die, but in Christ all shall be made alive. In Adam all died. So we needed another Adam who would come and to restore all these blessings. But we also have to realize too that we don't deserve any of these blessings. Even if God made us and maybe we didn't even sin, we'd still, it is of God's grace that he comes down and visits us at all. It's of, it's of God's mercy and good favor. It's because it pleases him. God doesn't owe us anything. See, God promised to bless Adam if he continued on in that covenant in the Garden of Eden. But he doesn't owe us anything at all. Man broke that promise. The Lord Jesus Christ reminds us in his perfect life of God's glory. His life glorified God. He suffered as man in the place of man, showing man, here's what perfect life looks like. If you want to know what a perfect keeping of the law of God looks like, we look to Christ. He loved his father every moment and every second of his life. Even upon the cross, as he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Even at that moment, he never sinned. Tested in all points, but yet without sin. Tempted by the devil with hunger. Tempted by the devil with future glory. Tempted by the devil with the things that truly belong to him anyway. To forego the way of the cross. Jesus restored all these things. The source of the blessings, the superiority you could say that we have, the, the blessed inheritance we have in heaven, it all comes from God. Why does our lives have any value? Think about it. Why does human life have such value? And I think many know, even if they're not Christians, that abortion is wrong. It's wrong to take the life of a child in the womb. But why? Because of the value that God has placed upon human life, created in the image of God. 
Why do the why do the animals why are the animals afraid of us? All sheep and oxen, yea and beasts, because the Lord has ordained it so. Why why can we gather food? Why do we not live in a world, say, where lions controlled everything? Or wolves? Animals, when they see this, they have a natural, instinctive fear of man. Why is that? Because God has ordained it so. Do you see how everything we have in this world, even man, man thinks that he's so powerful. We're going to go off into space. We're going to conquer everything. Anything good we have, it comes from God. And it's only been possible because God has ordained it and allowed it. We have so many reminders, don't we? Of the glory of Almighty God. Should we not marvel at this? And we're going to sing this psalm, the end of the psalm in a moment. But should we not be in amazement? Boys and girls, I want you, when you see the, the spider's webs, I want you to think about the skill. Where did that skill to make that spider's web come from? Did the spider find it out by himself? No, God gave him that skill. God gave him that ability. And when we look out into creation, when we look at the trees, when we look at the flowers, when we look at all the things all around us, and we think, wow, how beautiful they are. May we think of the wonderful God who made them all, that we can enjoy them. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. His glory is far greater than the glories of the heavens. His glory is far greater than the things we say wow to. And we should say wow to in creation. But it should all remind us of the glory of Almighty God. Amen.